This week we are joined by Elise Surgery, who currently resides in Montreal, Quebec. At the time of our interview, Elise joined us on location from Halifax, where she was in the process of opening two new restaurants and bars, and we discussed the work involved with that undertaking. We cover how Elise got her start in the industry, waiting tables at a diner inside a department store while still in high school. We cover the importance of bartending competitions and how they can impact skill development, and we discuss the factors that go into making a beverage list and ensuring that the drinks are elegant yet simple. Elise is another great guest. Enjoy this week's show. Welcome to another episode of the Industry Podcast. I'm Kip. This is Dan. That's what, me. What's happening? Oh, you know, another Monday, another hangover. Boy <laughs> of the year. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's especially great because you worked for me last night. That's correct. <laughs> uh, how are things going with you? Oh, I could just sit around and bitch about COVID restrictions for another hour or so, but I think people are tired of it. So, yeah, uh, pretty much. Yeah, let's just move on. Sounds good. Yeah. Okay, so we have a great guest for you, as always. Elise Surgery will be joining us very shortly from Montreal. Uh, before we get there, if you are a fan of the show, you should be subscribing, rating, reviewing, all that good stuff. And if you want to be on the show, just DM us at the Industry Podcast on Instagram, or you can. Email us directly at info at the industry club. And as always, all those links are in the show notes. Great, great stuff. If you like the artwork that you see on our page, you should check out Zach Hanna at zachhanna.co. Yes, or his website, zachhanna.co, which is the same thing. So Instagram or his website. Terrific, terrific graphic artist. Okay, well, that's enough about us. How yep. about uh, we start talking to Elise? How are you, Elise? I'm doing great. And you? We're doing okay. Totally. Yeah, yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah. My pleasure. I think it's really cool what you guys are doing. Oh, thank you. We we do most weeks. <laughs> so talk to us a little bit. You're coming to us from Montreal. What's the, we always got to ask, get this out of the way at the beginning. How's the COVID situation there? Are you guys open currently? Or are you under restrictions? Right now, I'm actually in Halifax right now, Nova Scotia, oh. opening up two locations. I go back to Montreal on the 23rd of December. But in Montreal currently, as of tonight, 5 p.m., they close all bars, spas, gyms at the exception of restaurants that are 50% capacity. Uh, Nova Scotia itself is quite, like, they're afraid of COVID, and, like, the Atlantic bubble is quite severe with their closures and stuff. So there are there are restaurants that are self-closing themselves because of the Omicron vir- the variant. We had to close two days because of exposures. So it's crazy. It's nuts. I'm, it's <laughs> so nuts. Yeah, I know. It's just, like... And just when you like think things are getting back to normal, then this Omicron thing happens, and now we're all right back where we started. Yeah, you're yep. getting slipped off your feet. It's like, oh, here we go. Okay, all right. I know. Yeah, you can see why people are getting out of the industry, honestly, and why it's hard to retain people now. Because, I mean, like, <laughs> who knows? Like, you another six months, and we this happens all over again. We don't fucking know anymore. Yeah, like I would say personally, coming back from the second wave of lockdown. We lost, I would say, 50% of the restaurant industry people. So that, like, changed vocations or careers or just started, like, other projects and started working for themselves. Honestly, it's, like, good for them, you know? But Yeah. So what's the name of the bar that you work at in Montreal? Bar George. Bar George, right. So tell us a little bit about that place and uh, what your cocktail program is, etc. So I started working at Bar George, like, about four years ago, and I just started as, like, a regular, like, bartender there. And then, you know, shuffles happen, and, and uh, I saw an opportunity to become bar chef there, and so I took it. 
And I just, uh, we did uh, the cocktail list when we reopened last summer with uh, one of my colleagues. And then when we reopened this time, the second time around, I decided to like redo the whole list and then just like bang out a new cocktail program. Bar doors, so the building itself is from like 1873. It's like, it's, it, it used to be a gentleman's club. Oh. And uh, they closed that down about 15 years ago and then they reopened it under public domain. So anybody can go. We're trying to go for like the casual fine dining spot. So it's like a high end English pub food, like there's like beef Wellington on the menu and stuff like that. And then the cocktails are always really good as well. If I can say so myself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. And so now you're out in the Halifax opening two more locations uh, under the same ownership group? Yeah. So uh, the ownership group is Oliver Bonaccini for Montreal. Oh, okay, okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. And here in Halifax, it's called Freehand Hospitality. So it's a it's a merger between Oliver Bonaccini and Armour Group here in Nova Scotia. So we just opened up Drift, which is a restaurant uh, in the Muir Hotel on the waterfront. And then I just opened up a speakeasy upstairs, like super exclusive for like members and hotel guests only. Oh, cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So, and you, are you doing the full cocktail list for both spots there as well? Yeah. That's yeah. a lot of work. A lot, yeah. I have, <laughs> I have like four days off in two months. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do you like? I mean, you did a whole new list for Bar George, and then you're coming up with two different lists for the two new spots. Are, are they completely different? Are you doing any crossovers? They're completely different, obviously. Like, okay, so for for downstairs at the hotel uh, lobby restaurant bar, I made a more like approachable list where like anybody off the street can be like, oh, okay, like I understand what it is. There's nothing too funky. And then at the speakeasy upstairs is where I really like dove into more complex like cocktail making and like more complex of flavors as well because I could really go a little bit more wild up there. Right, yeah, for sure. And so how long are you going to be out there? I come back on the 23rd, so a few more oh. days. Nice, yeah. crazy. And then you go just right back to work at Bar George. Like, yeah. Now, is that one of the bars that's allowed to be open because they're, they're sort of a restaurant as well? They have or? a restaurant license. Yeah. So, yeah, so yeah, it's a little different here in Ontario that differentiated sort of like they've just it's, bars and restaurants all fall into the same category unless you're considered nightclub. But so if you sell food at all, then you're all under the same classification. And they just told us all we have to do, do last call at ten o'clock. So yeah. I don't know why that makes sense, but <laughs> oh, right, that's why. <laughs> okay, so talk to us a little bit about how you got into the industry originally. So you've been doing this for like sixteen years now. Yeah, I started my first job, believe it or not, was waiting tables at Zellers in the diner when I was like 16. Oh, wow. What? Uh, that's yeah. it. I've always wondered about that job because like, you know, obviously that's not a thing that exists a whole lot anymore, the department store restaurant. But mm-hmm. back in the day, it was a pretty prevalent thing. And I always wondered about what that like. What's the crowd like at a place like that? Oh, oh, it's special. <laughs> <laughs> like I've encountered... So many different types of personalities at that place alone where like it kind of just gave me a buffer for what it was going to be like later on when I entered like the real industry and like meeting different kinds of people. I wouldn't say like it's a it's a lower class, but it's like the lower class of people that (laughs) it sounds a little harsh, but it is what it is. So I started doing that and then I started my first bar job when I was like 18, like and it was like this local Italian cafe bar. So I did like barista and then bar at night, but it was like, I I knew when I looked at the car that was pulling in, I knew what kind of drink you were having. Like that's how small and like local it was. Oh, wow. 
And then after that, like I went, I, cause I was, that was in Montreal. And then I went back to Laval where I initially grew up for a year. And then I worked at a few places there. And then I decided I loved Montreal. So I moved back to Montreal and uh, just started working like this restaurant in the old floor is called Che Delmo. And it's like an institution in Montreal. Worked there for four and a half years. Fell into the cocktail scene a little bit. Worked at Burgundy Lion, which is like one of the like biggest like whiskey bars in like North America. And then worked at Mount Tessere, which is like a, a tiki cocktail bar in Montreal. And then from there, I worked at Bar George. So, wow. so lots of different experiences then. What, like what's Laval like as far as a bar and restaurant scene? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Fair enough. So like, love, okay, so I grew up in Laval. Montreal area code is 514. Laval mm. is 450. So Laval is North Shore. Um, and then you have the South Shore, which is also 450, 450. It's basically the suburbs of the city. Uh-huh. So, like, you think of suburbs, you think of, like, you know, big shopping malls, franchises. It's not really, like, quaint places like the city has, you know, like, 50 theaters that there's only one of, you know. Like, it's just, just massively produced things in and around Montreal. But, like, Montreal has an authenticity about it that just drew me to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, um, so moving to Montreal come from Laval, like I, I would imagine, like the sort of the bar scene's a little intimidating there, almost because Montreal's famous for bars and restaurants, and definitely w- so many well-known establishments. Yeah, yeah, it was it was uh, when I first started, like actually, like cocktail bartending in Montreal. I was for sure like a little intimidated. There's a big pool of bartenders here that are like cute, like have so much talent. And what I did is that I just immersed myself in a bunch of competitions. I won a few and like I've made my name in Montreal in a, like, and I went to Edmonton, opened up a bar there and I'm in Halifax. So like, I feel like if you do all the right steps and like follow the hierarchy of things, you'll, you'll succeed and like things will just come to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And how did you enjoy like the competition side of it because we've had a bunch of people on the show who've done a lot of those and like varying different uh, opinions on the experience i mean i love the experience i love the, the experience but the more you do competitions the more you realize how political it is you know what i mean it's yeah. a lot of it's a lot of like who you know or like you know stuff like that yeah, we, I was. We had one here in town one time, and I was my my bartender. One of my bars was in it, and uh, I <clears throat> was happened to be standing behind the judges, and they didn't realize I was standing there. And I heard the one guy say to the other one, "Okay, so so and so." This was before the competition started. They were like, "So so and so is winning this, right?" Like I was like, "Oh, that's great." <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that's exactly. What the fuck are we all doing here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Which is kind of like, I mean, at the end of the day, it's just a competition. But some of these competitions are the prizes are pretty like up there. So like it, it could be like financially like a uh, like a serious situation that you're getting screwed out of. But also, I just find like I just felt bad for the bartenders because they put a lot of work into crumbling up with their cocktails. Right. And yeah. then to know that it's already been decided before you even started it's kind of bullshit yeah and that's a bummer but for sure like some of the prizes are, are really cool like i'm gonna do world class this year that's coming up but that's like a whole other thing in itself you know like i'm not i'm not gonna talk shit about competitions i know what it they entail and i know the work that i have to put it to it and like that's pretty much it you know you i can go into a competition knowing all of these things already 
you know. Right. Did you do any during the lockdown? Like, were you kind of doing stuff over Zoom or something over social media? I think some of them were being done. I did. I did Angels Envy where they were, where they said, uh, like, bake something with the bourbon or, or something. We ended up winning that one. But I, that was the only one that I did because I didn't think that a, a, a virtual competition is a real competition. For right. me, it's about the, the presence the person has, not a picture of a cocktail that yeah. they write yeah. a story about. It's, you're selling yourself as a person and your story that comes with it. A, a post can mean so many different things. Right. So. Yeah. So you do spend a lot of time on your own social media as well. How do you feel like that uh, helps helps you or did you do anything specific with it during the pandemic? During the pandemic, I was trying to stay busy with with like little projects here and there. Like I did a, a bit of competitions. I helped. Uh, like we, I did like a collaboration with a, my friend's podcast, which is them. It's like the, the Montreal music scene, and we wanted to like link both of them together. So we did a collab on that. Like just try to stay active on social media because like that's how you get like people to still watch your stuff and like mm-hmm. follow you for what you do. But other than that, like. The pandemic, it was so it was so hard. Like going from working sixty five hours a week to nothing, it's like it was a total. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy, and then it's kind of hard to get back into it after too, right? Because you're sort of out of practice and you're out of shape almost a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It took me like three weeks. I felt like I was always like starting in second gear, you know, like you know when you're just like gotta go, gotta go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's 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 definitely one of those things that you need to be practicing all the time to stay on top of your game uh, yeah. so you went out and opened at a place in edmonton as well that's also an oliver and Bucaccini spot yeah uh it was in the jw marriott in, next to the the stadium um okay. it was oh, a sticky nice. bar upstairs called alchemy so i helped them open that so when when they when they flew me out here to halifax i knew what i was getting myself into like i wasn't going in blind or whatever so right at least I had a, I, like, I, I knew what I was getting myself into. What did you think of the bar scene at Edmonton? Did you get a chance to go check many things out while you were I there? I did. I did. Uh, I went to a few bars when I could, but it's a really small market there. Mm-hmm. Um, and just getting booze out there was difficult. Same thing with Nova Scotia, actually. Just getting product here. You would think for, like, a port city, they would have access to all these products. But, no, everything gets shipped from Halifax to Montreal, and then they'll ship it back to Halifax. Yeah, that makes like, a lot of sense. It's like a huge thing. So this yeah. small market thing really like fucks me up because in Montreal <laughs> I can get anything like that, you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, we have the problem with the, the LCBO here, where it's just like oh, we're yeah. at their mercy at all times. How was your experience like when you, when you first went out there to Edmonton to open a bar? That was your first time doing like sort of an opening. Yeah. And how did that go for you? Like, were you confident that you knew how to do it or were you, or was it just sort of flying blind? Well, like I came, I came in like as support staff. So I was just going to go oh, okay. in and help support the open and ended up being where like I took charge of the bar and I just basically set it up the way I wanted to set it up. And I trained all the bartenders to do it. So where I came in into like an, an ambiguous situation where I didn't know what foot to dance on. I, I just took the reins and, like, just went with it. And uh, that's why I'm here in Halifax. Yeah, so now you you're, you definitely have an idea of how to do it and what you're doing, so it's a, you're a lot more comfortable with it. But how is it doing, like, two at once? That seems like just a it's shit a ton of work. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's a lot. And even then, like, if I could stay longer here, I would, because, like, some of the stuff is only half done, and I don't like 
leaving shit half ass done. Right. And I don't feel comfortable coming back, but I have to go back home. Like shit with the COVID is getting really bad. So I don't, I don't know what's happening. I don't know, I don't know if I have a job when I get back home. Like, right. um, but yeah, I have to go back, but I'll be back here at the end of January for two other opens. So I can kind of oversee the other two spots that I open and make sure everything's like going accordingly. So. Jesus Christ. How many restaurants are these guys going to have? They're, gonna, they're opening <laughs> up 10, 10 locations. Holy fuck. Wow. That's yeah. crazy. Wow. And, and brave these days. Yeah. Yeah. Are they all new builds as well? Or are they just taking over maybe old spots where some of the infrastructure, like the kitchen? So I know that the, the two spots that we just opened, they had originally had a contract with somebody else. And that ah. person backed out. And then so uh, Freehand came in and took over those two spots, but then noticed that there's like eight other spots in because it's called the queen's mark it's like it's a huge development in uh, on the harbor yeah. and they saw that there was eight other establishments so they're like well let's open up a spot here and make it like the downtown central oh yeah. wow it's kind of cool so uh, do you find that it's a draw in your creativity though to be doing like so many cocktail lists like not a draw but like a drain on it because i get like doing one like coming up with one brand new cocktail list is like very creatively, creatively draining, I find. But just so we did trying to do three separate ones at once. Yeah, it, yeah, it's draining. Sometimes I'm just like, why did I agree to do this? <laughs> <laughs> like, wow, I'm like, I didn't even know like how how draining it. Like, it's not that it's draining, like, but it kind of takes away from the joy of it. Right. Because it, like, it becomes actual work instead of just you know creating stuff on the fly for customers and you're like oh this is going to be on the menu next time no it's yeah created right now and and like this is this is it yeah sort of the best way to do it is sort of if it happens kind of organically right like you're just working one day you come up with something and you like keep that in your back pocket for the next list that comes up and then by the time you're ready to make a list you've got a few already maybe you just have to add a couple but to like start from scratch from three at once i don't even know how you're doing it that's crazy (laughs) it's work like obviously i came in thinking that it was going to be like this and then a lot of things change there's a lot of moving parts to the list because you taste it and then you're like well maybe not because the idea is there at the beginning of the day you think these things are going to work well together but then you, you just have to eliminate like sometimes the complexity of a drink, it doesn't have to be so complex. It can be simple and delicious. And like, right. You can do it everywhere. Yeah, I think that that's one of the things that I found, and a lot, a lot of people we've talked to have agreed with this too. Is that like almost the way to go now is to be going simpler rather than like because there was this sort of a stretch where everybody was just trying to match so many fucking ingredients into a cocktail yeah. just to have oh well it's got you know a like hint of lilac or whatever they're trying to put in there and it's just like is it after a while you gotta ask yourself is adding anything to the drink itself or are you just putting stuff into so you can list it on the ingredients yeah no absolutely i'm totally against any cocktail that has more than like eight ingredients and even then eight ingredients is fucking pushing it because i work in a high volume cocktail bar if you give me an, uh, a cocktail with like nine ingredients on the list i will not I know it's a hard task. Like, and I, yeah. when I, yeah. when I create my cocktails, I always take volume into consideration. Mm-hmm. So like, it has to be like a, like a, like a three step, four step process where you can like, maybe like double four at the same time or like whatever, you know? Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> we sort of made that mistake on the, yeah, that sugar run on our first list. The, we didn't realize that we were going to be a high volume cocktail bar. We thought it was going to be sort of a, more of like a easygoing lounge. And then it turned into like a fucking nightclub for cocktails on like Fridays and Saturday nights. And 
my original list had like, you know, lots of cocktails with foam and which is always a pain in the ass when you're trying to yeah. make things really quickly. And then the garnishes were like toasted honeycombs and shit like this. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> so I have a second list. I turned to my bartender. I'm just like, okay, we need a new list. There'll be no foam. We're not toasting anything. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird, like how I think originally when the cocktail craze started, it was sort of they were more like lounges, right? So it was mm -hmm. kind of like like a hotel style bar or whatever, where it was just a definitely not as uh, frenetic a pace. And then as these cocktails became more popular, almost every bar had to have their list. And then so now, like very high volume bars, you're trying to do like craft cocktailing at a high rate. What's your secret? Do you find to like make that? work free batch yeah yeah that's it eh? batch is, is big even though it's like technically illegal in quebec but you can do like 24 hour free batches but you, you technically just have to change the date on the on the bottle you right <laughs> need to get around it um but yeah like at, at the speakeasy i'm i'm at right now i have like this sugar squeal thing and then I, I, it's like it's super cute on the cocktail like you, you make the sugar or whatever it's like a lollipop but like it's so popular that cocktail that i'm like rethinking the whole the whole squeal to begin with, you know, and it's like the garnishes have to be simple. I think anyway. Yeah. 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 That's the other thing. Garnishing as well, especially if you're doing it in such a high volume, like you can waste so many man hours on just like yeah. overdoing your garnishes. Yeah. Like I, I like a simple cocktail. I don't, I, I don't like to garnish with a lot. I like, like, like we have a lavender sea foam gin fizz on the menu and it's like, it's purple because it's got that like compass gin. And then just like one strand of lavender, and it's like that's all the cocktail needs. It's elegant and it's simple. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't need anything else. I try to say like one garnish per cocktail, nothing more. So uh, how do you go about crafting your list? Like, do you have a formula of like, do you do it by like types of alcohol or like by ABV or by um, or like what is like how do you how do you put it together? I do. Uh, Every single type of alcohol has to be on the menu, and then I'll go like by flavor profile as well. So like we'll get a more herbaceous, a more sweet that'll appeal to like a certain demographic. A low ABV because that's really popular right now. I also like to have a, a no alcohol list. Yeah, you almost have because, to. Yeah. yeah, you almost have. To, yeah, you have to actually because yeah. and also like the stigma behind it. People like usually get up from their seats and they'll go to the bar and like. Be like, hey, listen, like, don't tell my friends, but I need something without alcohol. Like, you have anything? Like, it's kind of like, I just want to get people away from that, the stigma of it's, it's okay for you to order a non-alcoholic drink. Mm -hmm. So they all have their, like, own proper names, and they're, they're, they're as much thought out as the cocktails with alcohol. Mm -hmm. It's funny you mentioned that. One of my friends just stopped drinking, and she was telling me the other day that, like, she finds I, and she, I don't know and we couldn't figure out if she's being sensitive or if there's a reason behind it but like when so when the waiter or waitress brings the drink to her table it's always like they put down all the drinks oh and here is the non-alcoholic one like they put in front of you and I, she was taking it as like oh you have to make a big deal about the fact that I'm not drinking but I was thinking maybe it was more just so she recognized that I remember that you didn't want alcohol and this one doesn't have alcohol but I don't know I, I name my non-alcoholic drinks yeah, so that if you say if you say a certain name, like you know, and the waiter knows that it's like right. not all kids. He doesn't have to say like, oh, here's your mocktail. Here's your like, but uh, your orange cranberry mixed up with like a dutch of grenadine. You know, like yeah. it's, 
more complex thing for people who don't drink, it's actually quite nice. Yeah, it's true. And it's like, there was such a long stretch where if you didn't drink and you went to a bar, or if you couldn't drink for whatever reason, you're, you're basically getting mixed juice or you're drinking pop, yeah. right? And so now it's kind of nice that people have something like like an elegant drink to have, to share when they're going out with their friends that doesn't have booze in them. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't understand the purpose for it, but I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't either, but, you know, you've got to give the people what they want. So. Yeah, exactly. So how... So when you're like at Bar George in Montreal, like we were talking about earlier, Montreal being such a competitive place with regards to the restaurant and bar scene, do you find like how is it among different bars and restaurants in the scene in Montreal? Do you find that it's competitive, or are you guys kind of working together to build a scene? It is. It's. I wouldn't say like it's competitive, really. I think we all like it's a small. It's a small community with a lot of big fishes. And we all like we all mutually respect each other and like see what each other is doing and like our, our upcomings and stuff like that. I don't think that there's really that much competition, although a healthy comp like healthy competition between people is always nice. Like people do different things regardless. So the way I, I like to run stuff may not be the way that somebody else likes to run things. And that's okay. Like you don't want to come work for me and I'm okay with it. Yeah, and I think you're right. Like healthy competition is the way to go about it, right? Like if you go to somebody else's bar that you know they're a great mixologist, and you try one of their new drinks, and you're like, "Holy shit, that's really good!" Then you're you're like, you go back to your own place. You're like, "I got to step my game up a little bit," yeah. and yeah, that's good, right? Like it yeah, doesn't have, yeah. doesn't have to be like fuck that guy. And, no, know? no, no, no. Yeah. Uh, like I have a lot of friends in the service industry in the in the cocktail community in Montreal, and like we're all like you know like pretty tight knit, and we we're all boys at the end of the day. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, Nothing. Yeah, and so did you meet a lot of these people at, during competitions as well, or yeah. or just from like yeah you did eh yeah, yeah. and 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 did you find that because that's the one thing that almost everybody who's been on this show talks about when they've been in these competitions is that they say that the best part about it was like the new people that they met and the camaraderie with the other bartenders. Yeah, one hundred percent. Like I met a lot of these people through competitions, uh, but then I also I also like to go out a lot. I need uh, like I need to like decompress from my week or like on a Sunday or a Monday on my first day off I'll always like go out to my favorite places and just go chill and I meet a lot of people that way as well so. mm -hmm. and do you, do you find that you're basically sampling other cocktail lists when you go out or do you just like are you like no you're like every other bartender when you go out you just want like a beer or a glass of wine or I have like, right? a, like a, <laughs> a vodka soda when I go out or like yeah. a vodka on the rocks with a lime like I'm basic like that I, uh, I, taste, I taste cocktails all day and all yeah. night when I go out I don't want cocktails I don't want the fucking hangover that comes with them either oh I know <laughs> <laughs> my problem is like, they just all cocktails not like by almost by definition, but certainly more recently as well, are like so small, right? That's the other thing. And, but they're they're small with like a lot of booze in them, so it's just so easy to take one down. And and, and you also know they're really boozy, so hence yeah. the hangovers. Plus, lots of sugar in them. Yeah, they don't last very long. And like, yeah. if if I have my double walk on the rocks, I'm just like sipping. It. Yeah, I'm not like, oh my god, this is delicious. Like, give me another one. I'll have like four, and then realize I'm on the floor. You know what I mean? Yeah, so. it's a problem for sure. Uh, but the one thing, the other part of the side of that too is like, we had um, I can't even remember who it was. Someone way back in the day on the show, and they were talking about how. Like when they go out to a new bar, if they see there's a cocktail list, they'll always order a cocktail off the list because they feel like, oh, that person went to the trouble of making all these cocktails. I should at least do them the courtesy of ordering one. Do you subscribe to that at all? Or you're just basically like, fuck it, I just got a fork, I need vodka. 
<laughs> uh, when you put it that way, no. Um, but there's like some places where I'll go and I'll have like my classics, you know, like like a sponge or like an espresso martini. I don't like. I want to try them. It makes it sound like a bit though. Like I, it's not that I don't want to try them. It's just that like by the time I'm out and I'm having a drink, like I'm just over my work week and I don't even want to think about cocktails. To be honest. Yeah, yeah, I believe that. Uh, that makes sense though. I mean, think about it, like especially when you're fucking opening all these places and doing all these lists for different people. The last <laughs> thing, last thing you want is to even think about a cocktail at all. I'm sure when you're done work. I mean, actually, here I've, I've like I have I've never been to Halifax, so like I went around and all the places that my friends told me to go, and like I I went to this this restaurant and I asked the bartender where should I, where should I go for this cocktail. So when I try out a new place, like I'll always try and get cocktails on their list. But back home, like I know what they're capable of. Right. Unless like I go to like my favorite cocktail bar and like the bartender's like, hey, he's like, I've just finished this new cocktail and want to try it, and I'm like, fuck yeah, I want to try it. Yeah, for sure. Um, what is the what do you have? How have you found the bar scene in Halifax? It's not late enough. Oh, places here close. Like there's only like two or three places that close at two, and then the places that close at three thirty fall under like a cabaret license, hmm. uh, and that's like those are like clubs. And then hmm. most for most part, bars close at like midnight. Oh wow! Really? Yeah. So it's rough. <laughs> it's, it's funny because it's almost like something about the maritime reminds me of like being in England with like pubs and everything as well and it's the same scene there right where everything closes like you, you can't get a drink really after 1130 no yeah. yeah it blows my mind blows my mind so do they do a lot of like off sales there what are off sales oh so like selling booze to you as you're leaving like if you want to buy a bottle or a case of beer off the bar or whatever I haven't seen that here no I haven't seen that here and I'm pretty sure like bottle service is illegal here as well. Like in Edmonton, you you can't get bottle service like a bottle of vodka. It's like it had to come with a key and a lock because only the waitress <laughs> could serve you off. Oh really? That's amazing. Yeah. Well, it's, it's funny. All that shit's just changed here in Ontario. Like we've had bottle service for a while, but when the pandemic hit and we got locked down, one way that they were helping us out was by letting us sell booze out the door which yeah. now now that they've let that genie out of the bottle i don't think they can stuff it back in so that's great because it's just extra sales right yeah quebec still doesn't have that well, well, which yeah. is crazy to me like because they, they're usually way ahead of us <laughs> yeah it's permanent as of january 1st yeah so oh, yeah? Uh, we want these little things that our fucking premier is doing for us that and we get 20 percent off of um, LCBO sales if you're a bar owner in starting in January 1st which is great except that you're making me close down to 10 so I can buy it at 20% off but I can't sell it to anyone because I kind of want to drill down a little bit more on because we kind of sped through your sort of history of uh, when you were blasting through the industry before you got to Bar George. What you, Have you done pretty much all the jobs, like fine dining, pubs? Like, yeah. Yeah. So, I did it all. Uh, I want to do it all because, like, I just, I love, okay, you asked me what the best best part of my job is, and I'm going to tell you it's people. You're going to ask me what the worst part of my job is, I'm going to tell you it's people. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So for me, it was really important to see, like, the different types of service and like really like decide where I wanted to be and where I wanted my career to go and like I did a bit of psychology in college and like really knowing how the human psyche works and like you know getting people to open up about 
their their certain issues or like you know what they like and stuff like that it's actually something that drives me to, to still be in this industry because i just love people so much and i also fucking hate them so <laughs> <laughs> that's spoken like a true bartender <laughs> it's so true though it's like it's fine it's funny too because like especially when on this show as well like when you get like bartenders and people in the service industry talking with other people in the service industry inevitably there's going to be a stretch where you're bitching about the guests but we also love them at the same time so it's kind of hard to like you got to get that point across like i love i love my guests that being said (laughs) fuck them all (laughs) yeah it's kind of a weird dichotomy but with the exception of the Zellers, where I'm sure the crowd was something else, the what? Where did you find like sort of where you discovered like the best crowd was to serve and the worst? I think fine dining is a little like it's. I love the experience uh, personally, but the clients are extremely difficult mm-hmm. and difficult. Some of them were super nice, but most of them difficult. But I learned a lot there. And, like, you know, how to properly pour a bottle of wine and, like, do all that fancy stuff. And then I loved the pub aspect. Like, the, like Burgundy Lion was one of my favorite jobs as well. Where, like, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it was four rows deep. And, like, you were wearing, like, black pants, black tank top, and red suspenders just serving everybody. And it was a lot of fun. I love the management team there as well. And then the cocktail bar that I worked at, like it was, it was as a really huge learning curve for me where like I left the fine dining and I took a leap of faith and I, I really wanted to dive into the world of cocktails. And then I went to a tiki cocktail bar where fast paced, I learned so much about a lot, like all the different classics and like what I can do at home with like syrups and like stuff like that. But obviously like we say this a little bit, higher skill set, lower pay. Mm. So like in the cocktail bar, you're, it's basically just cocktails and you're outsourcing your food. You, you're kind of, you're getting money, but not as much as you would in like a fine dining place. And then I started working at Bar George while still at that cocktail bar. And then something happened, me and management didn't agree. And I, I, I left and like, I just went to Bar George where it comes as high end, dining place casual fine dining but the cocktail volume is still there so i'm more of a speed bartender i love creating and it's like one of my passions but i love the like the 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 like the chit machine having a ribbon like to the floor and all i'm thinking about is the next cocktail that i have to do after that's awesome because i like i've i've done that and i've also like watched my bartenders now that i moved to the ownership side do it as well and you see some of them who are just like who like you can tell they relish it and they're just like yeah next 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 you see some yeah. of them who are just like you see panic when that when that fucking shit thing starts getting too long and yeah. then you see some who are just like fuck it i give up like <laughs> <laughs> i've seen that look on the bartender's face so many times i'm just like you like you're i know you can see the shit <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> for me like i have adhd so like if, if something's constantly catching my attention and like my mind goes quiet and they can't wander anywhere else. That's when like, oh, when it's yeah. dead, I make the most mistakes ever. Cause like my, yeah. my mind just wanders and like, there's nothing really concrete in my head. There's, there is the next shit, but does it really matter? Cause I got all the time in the world to do it, you know? Yeah. There's something about this job that, and I don't know if it's like people with 
the same type of minds are attracted to it or if it's just this job trains you to be that way. But almost everybody I know who does this job will say the same thing. The slower it is, the stupider you get. Like, it's just, yeah, if it starts slowing down, it's like you said, that's how where you start making all the mistakes because your mind almost shuts off in a weird way. Yeah. yeah whereas if it's busy, you don't have time to think about it. So, like, you're just, boom, let's go. Okay, so. Yeah. Pardon me, sorry. No, no, no. Okay. Oh, okay. Uh, well, now I just forgot what I was going to ask you. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. This is a great interview. Uh, <laughs> so what's next for you, do you think, when you're like you're obviously wrapping up and you're going to need to go back to do it again? Is this sort of the role that you find yourself in now where you figure you're going to be outsourced to a lot of different spots for more openings? Or is there going to be a time where you hope to get back settled in Montreal and just kind of do your thing there? Uh, well, for now, for the foreseeable future, that's what I see. I do have like a five-year plan and where I want to be. Ownership is the next step for me. I have like some, maybe some stuff in motion already. But for the next couple of years, it'll be me bouncing around and like opening up some places and outsourcing and stuff like that. Any news you want to break on the show about this new, these new plans? No. Okay. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't figure I was going to get you, but I thought I'd better ask. <laughs> All right. Well, that was awesome, Elise. It was great having you on the show. What uh, We always like to ask at this time if there's anything you'd like us to promote via your social media or anything from the bars or restaurants. Just tell us so we can tell our listeners. It's my Instagram. It's at Elise Operation. Yeah, and it's awesome. We checked it out. It's She's got a beautiful page. And we'll put links to it in the show notes as yeah. well. That sounds like you, uh, thanks for giving us this time. I don't know how you did it with all the fucking shit you got on the go right now, but so we really, <laughs> <laughs> we really appreciate it, Elise. Thanks so much for joining us and best of luck with all the new openings and with the five-year plan. And hopefully you get back to Montreal and you're still working. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Thanks again. Uh, and it was great. I had a lot of fun. Okay. Thanks, Elise. Yeah, thanks very much. 